Saints and Packers this weekend. Pelicans and Warriors tonight. Welcome in everybody to a very big weekend and a very big Black and Blue Friday special edition here on our uh, set at the Osher Sports Performance Center. Hi again everybody, I'm Sean Kelly, John DeShazer, Daniel Salerson. Kind of take Black and Blue, our podcast, and we go live with it on this Friday as we begin this big sports weekend. Gentlemen, hi, how are we? Good, good. good. Glad we yeah. dressed up for the occasion yeah. here. Yeah, I know. Everybody's suited and booted today. It must be a big day down at the Smoothie King Center, and it is. 8.30 p.m. tip-off tonight. Pelicans and Warriors, both teams with the same record, strangely enough, at 0-1. Both teams searching for their first win, and hopefully the Pelicans are off on the right foot tonight. It's their lone appearance at home before next Saturday when the Cavaliers come to town. And then the uh, Saints and John DeShage will be traveling tomorrow to Green Bay, Wisconsin, as the Saints get set to take on the Packers. Packers at 4-2, and two, Saints at 3-2, and two, but it's New Orleans who has won three straight. So, with that being said, guys, um, we're on the brink of the big weekend, and we probably should take things in chunks. Let's start with kind of the, the game at hand, which is tonight at the Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans take on the defending NBA champs on national television. It'll be a late start after 8.30, but certainly this is a team in the Pelicans uh, that is looking to be much better than they were in quarters 2, 3, and 4 against Memphis the other night. Well, I think it's pretty safe to say they better be uh, yeah. playing against Golden State, which will be a little bit salty yep. after losing their season opener against Houston. So um, obviously they need to perform better. Um, uh, they had a great opening quarter against Memphis, as you mentioned, 34 points, uh, six of nine threes. But after that, it just kind of all went sideways. And uh, you can't have a team that has the distribution problems that the Pills did where the ball movement pretty much stagnated and stopped uh, against a team as good as Golden State. We saw what happened on the road against Memphis. Uh, it can be substantially worse at home against Golden State. Yeah, no doubt. So Coach Gentry said some of those things immediately following the game on Wednesday at Memphis, expanded on it again yesterday following Pelicans practice. Here's Coach Gentry of the media yesterday. Pelicans head coach Alvin Gentry yesterday with the media following the Thursday practice. Uh, speaking of practice and fresh off the practice floor at the Osher Sports Performance Center, Pelicans forward Dante Cunningham in front of tonight's game with the Warriors. How'd it go today? Good, real good. Had a great practice today. Maybe I should start with, how are you? I'm feeling good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you. We, coach talked about uh, a couple of things that were worked on in practice yesterday. What was that practice like, Dante, after what transpired on Wednesday at Memphis? You know, a lot of, a lot of teaching points. You know, obviously we learned a lot. Um, biggest thing is continue to play all the way through the game, you know, we, we had a lapse, you know, after the first quarter. Um, we have to, we have to, as a team, we have to continue to build and just continue to get better. How's your elbow, by the way? Elbow is good. Um, just had a little incident where it kind of hyperextended, but it's fine. Little? I, it had to be when you dove for the ball, got the steal, and tumbled into the scorer's table. Is that when it happened? No. Um, I no? was fine. I was fine then. It was a couple plays after um, I went to, you know, kind of just check another player, and I, I guess another player hit the back of the elbow and kind of just hyperextended. Okay. Bit. All right. Good. I thought for sure when they said that you were questionable to return the other night, it was because you tumbled into the scorer's table, and that can't feel good at any point. No, um, that, that's, that's the fun part, you know, <laughs> diving into the crowd. That's fun. <laughs> Happy opening day here at home, by the way. I know that you've been through a couple of these now, yes. and I know that you, um, kind of like all of us, hold these special. It's definitely, uh, it's that time, you know, where you've been off all summer long, and you get to be back at home with the fans, and, you know, you get that warm welcome, and it's that time is we're ready to go. Yeah, Daniel was pointing out the other day, uh, Dante, uh, your improved three-point percentage of a year ago. You know, it was like, I think two years ago when Alvin Gentry first came in, 
all of a sudden it was, yes, shoot the three. <laughs> and then last year you made a big jump and not only threes made, but percentage too. Did you, did you sense a new confidence, something along those lines that would help you in that role? Definitely. Um, the team, coaches, just working personally on it. Um, you know, just repetitions. Um, you know, I was always a, you know, a pretty good mid-range shooter and I was always, you know, right a foot and a half, maybe two feet off of the three-point line from the corners. And, you know, I was like, you just want to take two steps back? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> did you have to fix anything or to get the, the extra, I guess it would equivalent to 12 to 18 inches, basically, on uh, your shot? The biggest thing is mentally just being out there. Um, a lot of them will fall short in the beginning. Um, it's, it's definitely a different shot, but once mentally you understand, you know, what, what your body mechanics are doing, it, it, it just flows. Dante, when you look at tonight's game, you saw on Wednesday how good you all could be in that first quarter with 34 points, eight assists, six of nine from three. How do you all translate that into doing it for four quarters straight? Biggest thing is just having the confidence to continue to move the ball. Um, you know, basketball is a game of runs. We have a lot of um, teams in general have, you know, just down times, and we just have to continue to be a smooth team all the way through. Was it something that you all were trying to do a little too much once you got down a little bit? It was one person was trying to do everything instead of all of you trying to work together uh, to score some baskets? Exactly. Um, you know, it was not a selfish thing by no means. It's just kind of nature of, I guess, basketball players. You know, we kind of just want to take on a little bit more, do a little bit more to help the team win, and that's all it is. Can you help us understand what it is that Golden State does offensively that makes it so hard to stop them from scoring 120 a night. Is there a way to disrupt what they do? Without giving away the state secret here, I, I guess. I was going to say, if I had the secret, <laughs> I think we would, um, you know, beat them more often. But no, um, they're, they, they move the ball well. They, you know, now one time, they, they pass up good shots and get great shots. Um, they know their offense in, inside and out. And, you know, just watching film on it, it it's, it's pretty impressive. They, they strive to, I think, complete 300-plus passes a night. And everybody's like, oh, that must be the Golden State thing. But yet, Coach Gentry told me this week, that's a number he's thrown out at you guys as well. That's a, an extremely high number. Mm -hmm. How close do you often, how, how often do you all get that close to 300 passes in a game? Not too much, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, we, we start out really well. Like, we'll start out a quarter and have, you know, eight to ten assists, and then all of a sudden it kind of just dies out to, you know, four or five the rest of the game type deal. And, you know, that that's not going to get it done at all. Um, you know, again, it just gets back to just continue to trust in the process and continue to build and just get better. So is this truly a new offense that you're running now with Chris Finch here? Is that why... Maybe on on, Mon or on Wednesday against Memphis, it seemed a little clunky. Is there more of an adjustment here than maybe people understand? It is. Um, okay. Not that we're completely just redoing it. We're, we are. We're just adding just bits and pieces and things that you know we need to mentally sit down and continue to rep and get better at. Gotcha. Gotcha. Daniel. One of the things I noticed was shot selection in the preseason. I know that was something that Chris Finch has talked about. You saw a lot more baskets in the paint and also from beyond the arc. Is that something you all are striving to do more, just attack the basket or shoot from the perimeter? Yes. Um, biggest thing is getting up more threes um, as a team, as a whole, um, and getting to the line. So, you know, once we get to the paint, you know, that's, that brings the defense in. That's going to give us open threes on the outside.
Who's your assignment tonight? I have uh, KD. KD. Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, any, anything you can share with what you uh, might try to, to do to slow him down individually? Um, You've known him for a long time. I've known him for a very long time. We uh, played in you know high school, AAU, growing up. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is you know limit his mobility. Um, he's long, obviously. He's going to get whatever shot he wants off. Um, you just have to try to you know usher him into something that's less effective on his on his game. All right. All the best tonight. One more thing real quick. Were you with the group last night that went to see the U.S. women's national team play soccer? I did not make You that did trip. not go. Yeah. I know some of the guys went, didn't a lot, they? A lot of guys did. Um, it was a, a big turnout for, um, for our team, um, but I, I did not make that trip. Is Drew Holiday a big soccer head now only because of Lauren, or did he <laughs> enjoy soccer before? Give us the honest scoop on that. I can't personally speak <laughs> on whether he was or wasn't, but, I mean, obviously he had to like soccer, you know, to you know, find Lauren in, in that mix. This is true. This is true. Yes, the U.S. Uh, women's national team played at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, here in just a moment, we're going to play you our visit with Carly Lloyd, a two-time uh, gold medal winner and World Cup winner. We'll do that in just a second. First, though, all the best tonight. Thanks again for coming in Thank after shoot-around, and we'll see you over at the it. Smoothie King Center tonight. All right. All right, Dante Cunningham. And the Pelicans tonight host the Golden State Warriors at 8.30 p.m. Tickets are still available for the game. Tonight, all fans in attendance will also receive a T-shirt. Nice, it's dark blue. It's got the Do It Big logo on it, big. courtesy of Smoothie King. And so that tip-off again at 8.30 tonight before uh, we head out to the West Coast, which I know you're happy about because you're an Oregon guy, and we will swing your way. Swing my way. Just even for a moment. All right, again, last night, last night I guess it was, 3-1 was the final the U.S. women's national team was a winner. We got a chance this week to catch up with Carly Lloyd. John DeShazer with Carly Lloyd. Nice job, J.D. You know your soccer a little bit. Well, I wouldn't say that. Carly kind of walked me through. <laughs> or maybe, maybe she just kicked me through. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not often that you get an opportunity to deal with a two-time gold medalist, man. I, I can probably count on one hand, maybe on one finger, the number of times I have now. Yes. Uh, but, yes, he's pretty impressive. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Team USA again, an exhibition winner. Last night at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, they won 3-1. to one. Carly Lloyd was at Saints practice on Wednesday. Perfect transition there. We'll go from football to football and begin our conversation about Saints and Packers this weekend. I'm excited about this game. I, I'm First of all, I'm, I'm a little jealous that you get to go back to Lambeau Field. I so enjoyed our preseason visit there, what, two years ago. Yeah, but I don't know if you ought to be jealous about this one. I think the weather is supposed to break down a little bit, and it's not supposed to be quite as pretty as it was that day. Well, that was in August. Yeah. True. Yeah. You'll at least have one bratwurst, right? Uh, probably. Okay, fair probably. enough. Yes, rain is in the forecast. It's going to be a wet weekend here apparently in New Orleans and also at Green Bay specifically on Sunday. Well, hopefully not too much. Outdoor venue, they'll play on the grass. Temperature should be okay. Um, but storylines, J.D., as now we've reached kind of the end of the practice week here with the Saints today, um, as, as we head into the weekend, you know, do we have enough bullet point headlines to get us set for football on Sunday? Well, the one that glares is the Saints have a chance to win their fourth straight game. Yeah. Hadn't done that since 2013. That'll put them at 4-2. and two. And really, if not at the top of the NFC South division, uh, certainly right there in the mix. Now, Carolina's already 4-2. and two. However, the Saints have a win against Carolina, so they've got the head-to-head working. And the only thing that really matters is the loss column right now. So you've got that working. Plus, you've got a Saints defense that the last three weeks has, or last three games, rather, has essentially been lights out. I mean, we're talking about 13 sacks. Um, 
seven interceptions, nine forced turnovers. Uh, we're talking about three defensive touchdowns. We're also talking about uh, an extended amount of pressure on the quarterback. They're allowing only uh, allowing less than 90 rushing yards a game. Um, so they're really doing the things that are necessary to be a good defensive team, the things that they did not do in the first two games. They said, look, it's just a matter of us communicating better. And uh, having spoken to A.J. Klein and some of the other defenders, that essentially seems to be it. They feel like the communication's better and they're not having the lapses that allow the big plays that can put you in a lot of trouble. J.D., I think one of the headlines is Brett Hundley being the quarterback for Green Bay with not a lot of tape on him, just the preseason and also him playing against Minnesota. Um, what do the Saints see in Brett Hundley right now? Well, he's an athletic kid. Um, he's got a big arm. They have that. They do have that knowledge from him from preseason and from UCLA, but not a lot of game tape, as you mentioned. He's only played, I think, in about four or five games, only attempted 44 passes in the NFL. So he's a guy you would like to believe that the Saints can rattle a little bit. He had three interceptions against Minnesota. He was sacked four times in that limited amount of time. But let's also inject this. He's had a week to practice with the ones. They've had a week to structure an offense around his strengths, and who knows that better than Mike McCarthy because he's been in that quarterback room for the last three years. So they say he takes a lot of his mannerisms, and he really tries to emulate Aaron Rodgers. Well, who better to emulate than Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? So he's going to be a problem um, because he's a mobile guy, and he's young, and he probably wants to use his legs a little bit more, and I think they'll take the risks out of the offense that are involved when Aaron Rodgers is there, they'll probably, I don't want to say dumb it down, but they'll probably make it a little less complicated for him to be able to run that offense, probably take a few less chances. So the Saints are going to have to be on the P's and Q's because he's not the playmaker that Aaron Rodgers is. Therefore, he probably won't take the chances that Aaron Rodgers takes. But again, he's a guy who Minnesota was able to get to last week. And you like to believe the way the Saints have been playing the last three games, that they'll be able to get to him too. So does the defense change the game plan a little bit? Instead of preparing for Aaron Rodgers, you're, you're facing a, a new guy in Brett Hundley. How does the Saints' defensive game plan change as far as comparing Rodgers to Hundley? Well, you might blitz him a whole lot more than you blitz um, Aaron Rodgers because you want to put the game on Brett Hundley's shoulders. You want to take away the run. Now, Green Bay has not run it well this year anyway. I think they're only averaging about 88 rushing yards a game. So they are really, really woeful in the running game. And yet, if you're Green Bay, what's the best way to take pressure off a young, inexperienced quarterback? Get a running game going. So the Saints need to take that away first and foremost. And then, obviously, you need to be able to get ahead because you want to have Green Bay playing from behind and you want to put the game in Hundley's hands and make him one-dimensional. And then you can just tee off and rush him and hopefully get to him. But the Saints showed us last week against Detroit. They don't necessarily need to get to the quarterback all the time. They got nine pass deflections, uh, which is a significant amount. Those guys figured if you can't get home, get your hands up. And they were really disciplined in doing that. And that's one of the things they might have to do against Brett Hundley again. But again, keeping your pass rush lanes will be critical too because he is mobile. He will run it, and he can hurt you running the football. Yep. Brett Hundley uh, got his first game experience, regular season game experience, last week in relief after the Rodgers injury. He struggled. Threw for less than 200 yards, one touchdown, I think, three interceptions, that's key. Mm -hmm. But he'll make his first NFL career regular season start this Sunday against the Saints. And the guys at the NFL Network talked about his challenge. Hey, and why not end that piece with Cam? He is the NFL's Defensive Player of the Week. Well, he is <laughs> an outstanding uh, player. Uh, he's finally probably getting the national recognition that he's probably earned for the last three or four years. Uh, he's a destructive guy. He plays the run. He plays the pass. We see him defect, deflecting passes. Got him a pick and a touchdown last week. He almost almost got a pick touchdown in the first game. Uh, slammed into A.J. Klein. 
and uh, did not let AJ Klein forget it because you know Cam, he doesn't forget anything. No, and it may have, that may have changed that whole game back in week oh, one look, too. There's no need, doubt. Yeah, because Minnesota scores on the next play. Yes. All of a sudden, it turns into a bit of a rout after that. If the Saints get off the field in that situation, which they had a great chance of doing, could have minimized the damage. Isn't it amazing when you get the credit when you're winning as mm -hmm. opposed to losing? Because yeah. as you said, he should have had that credit oh, yeah. before now, but when you're 7-9, seven 7-9, and 7-9. Seven seven That's what happens. Yes. I mean, you, when you're 7-9, you're a pro, pro Bowl alternate. When you're 10-6, you're voted in. <laughs> right, right. That's what happens. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. Um, obviously, we were talking about the, the quarterback situation for Green Bay. They have more than just a quarterback injury situation. As a matter of fact, linebacker Ahmad Brooks did not practice yesterday. They're banged up in a lot of ways, J.D. I don't want anyone to sit here and say that the Saints – We'll take Green Bay lightly or, or whatever else. But the bottom line is this. I, whether, you, whether Vegas favors you or what, all signs point to that the Saints should go into Green Bay, win their fourth straight, and continue their march through the NFC North, as, as you could say October is proving out to be. Well, you'd like to say that, and yet there's the unknown with Brett Hundley being a quarterback. I mean, there just isn't enough of a sample size to be able to say, this is what he does great in the NFL, and this is what he does poorly. Um, we don't know exactly how he's going to react because, again, he's had a week to kind of let the game slow down for him because when you're coming off the bench for a guy who's injured in the NFL, I would imagine things were going about a billion miles an hour for him. Now he's had a chance to kind of break down the film, see what his mistakes were, and now sit back, take a deep breath, get a practice weekend with the number ones and say, okay, you like this throw? Okay, we're going to put this one in. You don't like this route? Okay, we're going to take this one out. Yep. Um, guys, how can we run the ball better? How can we max protect better? We know they're going to blitz them because the Saints have been blitzing lately. Okay, these are the guys they like to do it with. This is the angle they like to come from. Are we going to hold in more running backs? I mean, you get a chance to really scheme around his specific skills. So you hope that the Saints will go in and really jump them early because the last thing you want is for them to be hanging around and gaining confidence as the game goes along. I thought we talked about the Saints defense, but the offense-wise, I thought the running game got going for the Saints last week with Kamara and Mark Ingram. I feel like that's going to be a big test for them this weekend in Green Bay. Well, Green Bay's given up about 120 rushing yards a game, and the Saints ran for about 193 against Detroit, and Mark Ingram especially, uh, he and Alvin Kamara had great games. You'd like to see that continue because, you know, let's face it, the Saints offense isn't quite in sync yet. Um, in the first half against Detroit, they had three scoring drives, 75, 75, and 69 yards, touchdown drives. But after that, other than that, they did not do a fantastic job of moving the football, and especially in the second half. They were two for 12 on third down, mm -hmm. and that's not what we're accustomed to seeing from the Saints. We're accustomed to seeing a team that's right in the 47, 48% conversion rate. They're right down at 36, 37% right now on third down. You've got to be able to keep the football. That would have helped a ton in the second half against Detroit because the defense was out there and they still were getting some stops, but sooner or later you get gassed if you're on the field all the time and the offense is just going three and out. Unfortunately for the Saints, the defense still was able to make a couple plays to finish it out, but the offense has got to carry its load a little bit better. And I know when you see 52 points, you're saying, well, Aaron, no, three, those three defensive touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So really the offense, and we're not accustomed to saying that around here, but they've got to carry their load a little bit better. Speaking of the Saints running game, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, not only did the, the, the duo of Ingram and Kamara have a great weekend last week in the win over Detroit, uh, we had one of our, I guess, most looked at highlight plays of the season thus far in Alvin Kamara's run 
toward the end zone uh, in which he became all of a sudden Alvin Kamara track and field athlete hurtling over a defender. Not just any defender, but um, one of the more elite guys in the league in the in the defensive secondary. Yeah, you sure that's Alvin Kamara? Was that Edwin Moses in a, in a football well, uniform or something? Well, we thought so as he went over the top of Slay like that. Which, by the way, you're on a roll with gold medalists here, aren't you? Because I need you to help set up this next piece. This this Camara play that we're talking about, which we're going to see here in just a second, um, got us thinking about Lolo Jones. Well, I mean, why not go to an expert about hurdling when we're talking about hurdles? I mean, you know, Alvin Kamara goes out there and he does his best Olympiad uh, tribute with his hurdle over Darius Slay. So why not go to an Olympian to actually grade his performance? All right, so John took the film and got Lolo on the phone, I guess it was this week. Yes. And they discussed... Uh, Form and uh, result here, I think, for Alvin yes. Kamara's run last week in the in the uh, Saints win over Detroit. That's great stuff. Great play from last weekend. Great analysis by a great athlete. We wish we wish Lolo all the best coming up at the Winter Olympics, which is just around the corner. She does it all. I know it's, it's awesome. Unbelievable. And it's my like, one of my favorite Winter Olympic sports that she'll be participating in now, and that's bobsled. Yep, so absolutely. good stuff. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more plays like that to talk about after this Sunday's action against the Packers. Again, noon kickoff on Sunday at Lambeau Field. There is rain in the forecast. The uh, Saints trying to make it four in a row and uh, certainly get ready then for a home game against the Bears uh, here uh, back in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome a week from Sunday. All right, Daniel, tonight home opener for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, anticipate if you're going to the game wearing something that you can pull that blue T-shirt over. There's one on every seat at the Smoothie King Center. Thanks again to Smoothie King for that. Um, the Pelicans have lost 10 of their last 11 against the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis uh, is 1 and I think 17 against the Warriors, including playoffs. Uh, so I think the Pels owe the Warriors a game here, and why not get it here in the home opener? It didn't help, though, that the Warriors lost on opening night. They only lost twice last year, two games in a row, and so they're going to be a little angry before this is the beginning of a yes. three-game road trip as well yes. for them. They go to Memphis uh, tomorrow night. So it is a big opportunity for the Pelicans to get back to 500 before they go on the West Coast trip. And they know Golden State is going to be ready to get their first win as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, big programming tonight, uh, of course, on ESPN. It's the nationally televised broadcast of Pelicans Warriors. If you want a more Pelicans-centric broadcast on television, Fox Sports New Orleans is airing tonight. And their pregame show begins at 8 Central. The same goes for us on radio tonight, 8 Central on the Pelicans Radio Network. Uh, for those of you, and I know a lot of you are consuming outside of the New Orleans metro area, you can get, uh, obviously, the television broadcast nationally on ESPN. But radio-wise, a couple of ways to get it, one of which is TuneIn. That's an app that you can get a ton of sports content. There's a minimal cost per month. But all the NBA games are on TuneIn, and you can choose which feed you want. I think you'll probably grab the Pelicans feed. I, I hope so. I hope so, yeah. right. But Daniel will have the pregame show starting at 8. And uh, for those of you coming to the game tonight, broadcasting live out in the, um, the atrium. The atrium. Right, right outside, outside the, team, the, team the new team store, right? Bring snacks. Bring snacks. I get hungry by then. Uh, one of these days we'll get it fully catered for you, I promise. I would love that. Uh, otherwise, John DeShazer and myself. Uh, on the broadcast. John has run off to New Orleans Saints football practice. I'm going to go follow him. Hope you have a great rest of your Friday. And it's kind of we started the beginning of our show. Happy great sports weekend, everybody. Enjoy it. Should be fun. Daniel, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks to our great crew, too. Uh, Lane Murdoch, Brendan Hassett, Doug Tatum. I'm Sean Kelly. For Daniel Sallerson, go Saints and go Pelicans. We'll see you on Monday on the Black and Blue Report podcast.